0: My name is Chastity Lord, I am the Chief Operating Officer of Color of Change. How many folks in here are familiar with Color of Change? Whoa. All right, great. For those who are not, I uh, just want to anchor you a little bit. Color of Change is the largest online racial justice organization in the country. Nice. We started in 2005. Uh, in response to Hurricane Katrina. As many of you know, there were a lot of reasons for Hurricane Katrina. There were structural policy. But ultimately, when our founders stepped back, what they really thought was there was a constituency base in power who wasn't nervous about disappointing Black folk. Color Change deeply believes that when Black people win, we all win. When black people win, we all win. We have seen it over and over in history. It's not enough just to be present, it's not enough to just show up. We work on translating and transferring that presence into power. You know, last year, um, bringing it at home a little bit, being at Sundance, we released a report with UCLA, a wire on the Hollywood Writers' Room. We looked at over 234 originally scripted shows. 234 originally scripted shows across 15 networks. Do you know how many of them were led by black writers? Less than 10%. It was actually 5%. And when we looked at how many of them were led by women, it was 20%. You guys, it's enough to be outraged by those numbers, but that's not really where the outrage should end. It's really around the implications. It's the implications of folks sitting in leadership positions within writer's rooms who are charged with telling our story. What happens when we don't have peoples in those writing rooms who are helping to create these complex and nuanced and comprehensive stories that are our lives? I can't think of anyone in this room who doesn't recognize that media matters. Storytelling matters. Telling Black Stories Matter. And today, we want to recognize that telling black women's stories matter, too. Yesterday, across the country, we saw marches of women uh, literally across this country, even here in Park City. Today, in Las Vegas, Nevada, Color Changes Change is convening over 2,000 women for brunch, black women's brunch. We know we love a good brunch. (laughs) Um, But it really is about going to our key constituency group and making sure to keep them uh, appropriately enraged and educated around bail reform, about making sure they understand the, uh, the importance of getting DAs in seats that speak to the issues of our communities, of our sons, of our daughters. It's about speaking about Donald Trump, but understanding it doesn't stop there. We have to understand who is enabling that to happen. I, um, I love to say that we're talking about a little earlier uh, with Don is that in a lot of ways, it's though that uh, black women have just um, shown up within um, populist media around our power. But many of us have known that black women have been at the forefront of uh, organizing efforts, electoral efforts, Throughout history, we recognize that, we understand that. Rashad loves to say uh, this quote that, um, and when America has a cold, the black community gets the flu. Today, I'm going to add on that and say, if America has a cold and the black community gets the flu, black women get pneumonia. And so, Today, uh, it really is about a series of conversations. We um, would be remiss if we didn't thank Planned Parenthood for our partnership. Um, We have um, a great partnership we're going to be kicking off this year with our Color of Change PAC, uh, Planned Parenthood and other partners across the country. It's not just about getting people in seats, getting them elected. We really believe that the work begins the next day. When we show up and remind them, make sure they don't catch amnesia, remind them of what our demands were and holding them accountable. Today, get inspired by the conversations of these amazing women. Be reminded of our power. But also, remember, we have so much work to do. Thank you. Welcome. Look at this beautiful room. Uh, And with that, I'd like to welcome our host, uh, Ms. Angela Rye.
1: You so much chastity hello everyone Hi. can act like call and response a little bit it's the black house like black church we started with bb and cc you know no y'all not feeling that okay that's all right where am i sitting am i sitting here there's a mic here move this one up and um yes welcome to an live on one with angela rye podcast i don't know if many of you have listened to the podcast We call it Sophista Ratchet for a reason. We are all things sophisticated and ratchet. I know Deborah is like, oh Jesus, what did I just sign up for? I'm not gonna be too ratchet today. She just just raised the roof though, so I might be okay. Um, So today we are having a great conversation that is all too timely about black women leading the revolution. And I'm sure like many of my comrades in this room, it's like, well, what's there to talk about? We've always been leading the revolution. Um, And so I want to start with someone who is near and dear to my heart. She is the chairman and CEO of Black Entertainment Television. She serves on three corporate boards. We'll talk a little bit more about that. She opens doors for black women at BET. I don't know if y'all have ever paid attention to the leadership at BET, but there are black women all around that joint. And it's amazing. Um, So let's please welcome Miss Deborah Lee to give her a round of applause. Got your teeth. You yes. I have to bring Sorry, flashing a little leg. I don't have a prayer cloth, so I'll just <laughs> use my iPad. Um Man, this is a tough crowd. Come yeah. on, Sundance. It must be
2: the Warm altitude. Warm Yeah, it's too it early. Too they partied too late, <laughs> late last night.
1: She said it's too hot. Right. Maybe but I just right want
2: now. to say uh, how delighted I am to have Angela Rye as part of the BET family. She's always been part of the BET family. But to be official, super uh, official, uh, super official <laughs> if, if you haven't heard, we just signed a deal. We made yes. it official. And she's going to do four new specials uh, with BET this year. And the first first one, isn't that great? Yeah. Yes. And the first one is going to be um, after the, are we still calling it State of the Union? I don't know what he calls it. Uh, but it's going to be after that. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. <laughs> but I must say, um, you know, I have a great job and I love it. But the first time I saw Angela on CNN and there was a little ratchet in there. And yeah. I said, she has to be on BET. And then the next time, a couple of times later when I saw her and she said bye Felicia to someone, I said Sign her up now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny, but yeah. probably very true because, yes, yeah. it, it, it is. We <laughs> do say these things, you know. Um, this year, um, since Donald Trump has been in office, I would say that, um, his supporters, um, his Twitter account, and so many others, they will take you to a place, yeah. Okay, yeah. so let me not, right. Because we're about black women leading the revolution <laughs> day, so let's not even get on that. Speaking of black women leading the revolution, um, there is someone in here that I really want to recognize. That's April Sands. Where's April? Stand up, April. Stand up, April. Don't do me. Come on, sister. I want you all to recognize April. This is the woman who created Oscars So White. Please understand if it wasn't for April, the film industry would not be looking as diverse as it even is today. She is shifting a paradigm. And speaking of Black Women Leading a Revolution, I do not want to make her invisible in this room. So please give her another big round of applause. Thank you. Thank you, April, for all you're doing. Yeah, seriously. No, thank you, April. Somebody's going to get a role and then you need to just hashtag. Thank you, April. (laughs) Um, But, Deborah, I wanted to start with you on um, really where I kind of started in your intro, and that is the number of opportunities you've created for black women at BET. Um, Talk about um, why you did that. And knowing inherently that black women are the face of, the talent behind, and the workers behind the revolution.
2: Well, it's interesting. I took over as COO of BET uh, 20 years ago. I've been at BET 32 years. Um, I like to say I started when I was five. But... um, when I took over as COO, I inherited a management team. Uh, that was not my management team. They were all all my peers before that. And I realized after about you know, six months or eight months that I hated going to my own senior team meetings. Um, and I'll say it's because it was a mostly male team. And I would go into the meeting and there was just so much testosterone uh, bouncing off the walls and in conflict. And they weren't really uh, invested in my success and and most of that is because I inherited them from someone else so you know it's not that they were just anti me it's just that they didn't come to BET to work for me so it took me a while it took me in fact I remember six years to get my own team because uh, you know you can't come in and fire everyone <laughs> immediately so it takes you a while <laughs> some people do no I shade, guess some shade. people do <laughs> um, but I I had to make a conscious effort to look for women. And I, I really thought that was odd. I'm like, I'm a woman. Why do I have to make a special effort? Um, but when if you don't make it a priority, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for black folks, and it doesn't happen for women. So when I realized, you know, that I, I needed a better balance, I just said, you know, the next couple of executives I'm going to hire are going to be women, and and that's it. And there's no if, and, and buts about it. And then after you start doing that, then they find other women, and it just kind of multiplies. But it's just been very important to me as a woman uh, and as leader of BET to make sure that we have voices of women at the top. And it's just turned into some kind of magical, as you said. I mean, you walk the halls. I started a conference years ago called Leading Women Defined, uh, where women come from all over, and it's magical. Uh, Um, and you know, it's, it's, we're we're magic. Yeah. We're black girl magic. And when we get together and do are there a couple of hands going up, thank you for that. Um, you know, we we can do anything. Yeah. And it's not that you know I don't enjoy my male executives. I do, uh, but I just think it's something that we need to continue to work on. And it's still an issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, when young girls come up to me and say, "I admire you so much," because they don't see very many black female CEOs, yeah. and the numbers are getting worse. Mm-hmm. And we really have to focus on it and if this recent uh, me too campaign has not sh- you know it's sh- has shown a lot it's shown a lot and given a lot of women voices but one thing it, it, it proved to me again and again is we need women in green light positions. We need women that can make the decisions so we don't always have to deal with an all-male uh, environment.
1: So, And speaking of being in um, a decision-making position, you also sit on three corporate boards, yes. Washington Gas and Light, Marriott, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Black Twitter also. Right. Um, we
2: just did a study on how powerful Black Twitter is. Okay, we
1: need to hear that. Yeah,
2: it's incredible. We need to hear about it's this. Incredible. But I want
1: to ask you first about sitting on those boards in those rooms that are often very white, mm-hmm. very male, but you have a lot of power in your hands in those rooms. Right. So talk about how you utilize, you know, that black girl ma- magic, magic in the boardroom.
2: Right. Um, well, first of all, you have to learn the company. And, you know, it's it's a learning experience. So you have to learn what the company is all about, what drives their business, uh, what their numbers are. Um, and, uh, for example, when I interviewed with Jack Dorsey for um, the Twitter board, and I when they called me about it, I was really excited because I love Twitter. And I was like, this would be a great board, even though I, there's something called called Overboarded, and I felt like I was overboarded at the time because I had too many boards. Uh, But I really was interested in Twitter. But I told him, I said, if you're not committed to diversity, I'm not coming on your board, period. Because I was the first black person. I was the third woman, um, but I was the first black person on the Twitter board. And to show, as you mentioned, how powerful it is, I mean, I've never had such a major reaction to going on a board. I mean, a lot of people don't pay attention to boards, but I was getting, you know, I got flowers from my kids, thank you very much. My daughter Ava is here. Um, I got you know tweets from um, millennials and people saying this is great mm-hmm. that there's finally someone black on one of the Silicon Valley boards. And I, you know, I hope you all noticed that Ken Chenault just went yes. on Facebook, which is huge. Wow. He's the first black uh, executive to go on Facebook. But Silicon Valley needs a, a lot of help. But I make it clear when I go on a board that minorities, the diversity, women, those are all issues I care about. And I will do anything they ask that has to do with those issues, like come up a day early, speak to the employees, but I have to be assured that they take those issues seriously. Um, And, you know, in the boardroom, I bring up those issues uh, quite regularly, but I also um, help the company focus on their business issue. I don't want to be the diversity board member. You know, I want to be taken and seriously, and uh, help in other you know, ways, whether it's marketing or um, or whatever they need. Um, so you know, I just really try to emphasize uh, the areas that I'm interested in and make sure the company focuses on that. And it, it is an odd environment to be in a boardroom and be the only, sometimes the only woman, and a lot of times the only black person. Um, I would like to say it's getting better, but it's it's really not. We, yeah, so there's still run. a lot. Of, yeah, still a lot. Of work to do.
1: So you talked um, briefly about this Black Twitter report, and I want to um, delve into that just a little bit because when we talk about Black women leading the revolution, we think about setting the culture, and we think about all of the ways in which we do things that are cool. Right. But we don't think about how we're impacting the bottom lines for entities, and mm-hmm. so I think that's a very important piece. We know Cheryl and Nielsen always is talking about right. our black buying power and all these other things, but oftentimes those are pieces of information that kind of fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, as a group, we're very uh, powerful. And as you know, the thing that um, Nielsen always points out, Cheryl, a friend of ours from Nielsen, is that we have over a trillion dollars worth of buying power. So our buying decisions make a difference. And when you can come up with a hashtag like Oscar is so white, like April did, that just in three words uh, puts into uh, motion a movement and something that, you know, the white power structure can't deny it's like okay now we have you know saying we have a hashtag sounds so simple Mm -hmm. but it's it's the way black twitter um uses its power Mm -hmm. it's the way twitter uses its power so the me too campaign um and 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 as you well know because you're a celebrity black twitter can make (laughs) or break you (laughs) you can do something great and black twitter Hold you up high, or you can make the slightest mistake, and Black Twitter will drag you drag. through the drag. mud. Drag. <laughs> and if any of you have ever felt that, it's really powerful. Um, but it's it's just amazing <laughs> how uh, um, you know how powerful it is, and it it takes away all the barriers to distribution that, as content makers, uh, we face all the time. You know the the thing. Um, when I was... uh First at BET and getting more on the programming side. I used to say, I wish we had a business where we could go straight to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Because even a, a network like BET, we have, we have to deal with advertisers, we have to deal with cable operators, you know, so you have to convince cable operators that the programming is worthwhile and that our audience is someone they should focus on. So then you get carried by, you know, a few cable operators. Then you have to convince um, advertisers that our audience is worth something and worth as much as a white audience. You know, you probably heard the uh, uh, black discount floated around in the advertising um, industry. You know, with movies, you got to convince a studio. Uh, But what digital has done and what Twitter has done and Instagram and whatever, you now have a direct medium straight to the consumer. So you don't have to convince anyone that what your stories are worthwhile. That's right. You know, and and if the consumers step forward and say, "Yeah, we like this," um, you know, then you're golden. But it's it's a whole different thing. There're not as many uh, hurdles to get into the game. We um, are
1: having a great conversation. We are going to k- keep adding to this. And at this point, I'd love to bring up Tessa Thompson, actress and activist. The perfect segue. Hi, everybody. Sorry, I'm a little late. That's all right. Thank you for joining us. Um, We were just talking about the power of black Twitter. Um, We talked about Oscar So White, April Sands hashtag that's, created a bunch of opportunities for folks like you in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to talk about Me Too and Time's Up. You have really dedicated a lot of your energy to that very important work, and I'd love to hear from you about what's coming next. What do you think is the next phase of this?
3: Well, you know, I've just been a, a volunteer and one of many. Um, you know, I'm so grateful to Toronto Burke and Women Like Her. You know, she started the Me Too movement. In 2006, so this is obviously a conversation that's that's been you know been one that we've been having for a while, and the power of that with with storytelling with women telling their stories is that it's created a, a stage, I think, for what's happening now in Times Up with an actionable movement. And, you know, around the organizing, around the Golden Globes, I had the chance to meet Tarana and she really helped me understand the ways in which um, we have to just be mindful that when we're positioned in this cultural moment, in this movement now, that our voices are heard. Because obviously when we talk about things like in the press recently, it's been a lot about pay equity yeah. um, between you know women and, and their male co-stars and obviously those conversations are so much more complicated for a black woman and for a woman of color so when we try to get on a united team as actresses for example saying we you know we want to, we want to bridge this pay gap we want to make the same as our male co-stars where do black women fit into that space um, and I think that requires a lot of real conversations between us, you know, so that the, so when we have allies, there's nothing performative about them. They're, they're allies that really understand what matters to us and, and are working, you know, in concert with us.
1: Um, I think that that is also really important. Like Tarana Berg definitely blazed the trail in terms of telling stories in ways that aren't necessarily portrayed on film, but impacting people who we relate to on camera. Um, Do you all have some black women storytellers right now who you are super passionate about hearing from, um, who you like to to watch? Um, Anybody that's up and coming who you're...
4: Who you're loving right now? I have so many. Um, so many. So many. I had the chance. Pick a couple so we can get Stephanie
3: over well, here. <laughs> I had the chance to work with Lena Waithe on a film called Dear White People that yeah. Stephanie Elaine produced. <laughs> and it was so clear to me then that she's such a distinct voice that she's so multifaceted that she occupies such a space as a black queer woman and has so many stories to tell in that space so I've been so excited to see her, see her star rise, see what she's doing on Showtime see what she's doing on Master of None, see this the space that she's really carving um, but Dee Reese, I've been a fan since Pariah, um, I'm so inspired by her, um, you know Mudbound is so beautiful, Issa. Um, Array. I mean, so many, so many voices that say, "If I can't see, it as, you know, a space for myself, or I can't see a reflection of myself, if everything feels like a cipher to me, I'll just create it. Then I'll just make it." Um, and all those voices are so, so incredibly inspiring to me.
2: I, w- I would agree. Um, what- several of the women that Tessa uh, mentioned. I'm enjoying, really enjoying uh, Shy uh, from Lena and I, I saw her the other night at the uh, NAACP Awards and ran up to her and said, I love Shy. It's so great. Um, and, uh, but one I, I want to mention that I worked with for years at BT was Mara Bracca And um, when we first acquired the game, uh, well, first we acquired the re of uh, Girlfriends, which I always loved and then we acquired the right to produce, bring the game back into production, uh, which was a great, you know, female story too. And then when she brought me being Mary Jane, I mean, I just about jumped out of the chair when she was describing that story to me because it was, it was current. It was, uh, you know, uh, Mary Jane was smart. She was sexy. She was a professional. Um, She was the, um, um, you know, main breadwinner in her family and all the stories of how she had to support. Her brothers and sisters, and parents, and uh, you know, it's just such a complicated story of a single black woman woman that I felt like we had never seen on TV before. So I was so proud of that show and of course Gabrielle Union was amazing. Uh, but Mara uh, has, uh, well she just had a new project that came out and she's doing things with uh, Warner Brothers now. Uh, but she's she's been in the business of, of telling female stories for a long time. Yeah, so I want to give her credit for that.
1: One of the things that is triggered in my mind when you all were talking about this is, you know, so often um, people put us in competition with each other right like they'll say you know black women don't know how to support each other you're always fighting you're always competing and I don't think that narrative is exactly true and what's amazing about the examples you all just brought up where you think about Shonda Rhimes and Ava They're not just um, opening doors for other female directors and storytellers. They're also looking out, like pulling folks with them along. So that narrative is gone. That myth can be completely busted. Stephanie, I want to bring you up. I don't want to keep having this conversation without you. Let's bring up Stephanie Allen um, for all of the work she's done as a director, (laughs) producer, beyond the lights boys in the hood that was like a classic for me what y'all not y'all not ready in Utah that's okay that's okay you can't be ratchet on a Sunday apparently in this room this is (laughs) Too it's too high in Marty up here in this altitude. I don't know what's going on. Y'all partied too hard last night. Right. I think that's I think what that that that's, what I mean. that's what <laughs> it is. That's what it is. Y'all were right. in the macro lounge after yeah. midnight. Yeah. But I was on the VIP list and macro and couldn't get in. I was outside five minutes and I was like, I'm a macro with y'all tomorrow. Right. That's not gonna work. Like,
2: that's, ain't it. That's hilarious. Uh before you go on to to Stephanie, uh, but back to the point you just made about women. Yeah. Um when um, uh, oh, I just wanted to point out that Dee Reese had an all-female yes. um, crew uh, for Mudbound, mm-hmm. which I thought you know just said oh. volumes about what we need to do. And I had the pleasure of working with Stephanie on Beyond the Lights. It was my um, acting debut. Yes. It may have been the for my first and last acting <laughs> debut. Do you remember your lines, you Remember your lines? Oh, lies? I don't oh. because you know why? I had to say it looking at Nate Parker. And I I couldn't remember it the day of. I was like, why do they have me saying a line to Nate Parker, as good-looking as he is?
1: Deb, don't have a me moment for Nate up here now. (laughs) (laughs) Be careful. (laughs) Be careful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was funny. I'm sorry. Okay. We're back. I I'm bet back. I'm back. before that. Okay, she said if she gets a pass, it was a pre Me Too pass. Okay, let's just move on. Let's just, let's just move on. Okay, so um, one of the things that has been in the news a lot lately is the situation with Tracy Ellis Ross and Blackish. Um, With the pay disparities that exist between um, her and Anthony Anderson, she put out a statement clarifying that she was never protesting or boycotting. She was going through her salary negotiations. But how many times do we see this same story come? You were just talking about this a little bit. Not just with our, you know, pay disparities that exist in entertainment, but just period. What is the posture that black women should be taking about making sure that we're paid fairly on camera and off camera? Stephanie, I'll start with you.
5: Well, sure. I mean, we should be paid the same. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty Pe- simple. Period. <laughs> yeah, period. There but, but, is nothing well, else let, to Let's say. be
1: honest about the fact that um, I think historically we are everyone else's best advocates. Right. And sometimes when it comes time to advocate for ourselves, we lack the fortitude and the confidence to be able to do that. So what kind of action items can we give people to say, this is what you can do to ensure you're paid fairly? Of course, you should be. But this is what you can do to make sure you are.
5: Okay, before I do that, can I shout out Mel Jones, who is (laughs) who is I don't think she's here. Is she here still? No, she's not. But anyway, she is uh, making her directorial debut after producing with me for many years. And it's Lemur Park on Tuesday. If you guys are still here, come see it. There's so many. I was thinking, of, you know, naming, naming names, Rachel Holder, Mel Jones, Tina Chisholm, Stella McGee. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And so many so much good talent out there. Um, but one of the things that I'm involved with is Reframe. Reframe is a gender parity movement that was uh, uh, born out of a collaboration between Women in Film. I'm on the board of Women in Film and Sundance. And we've been working for the last many, many years trying to figure out ways to implement uh, changes, not just talk about them, decry them, think about them, but actually change them. So one of the things that we're doing is this uh, protege um, program where sponsors we're gonna identify six women mid career. You think about women like Dee Reese or or Patty Jenkins who made amazing movies and then have to wait on average five to ten years to make their next movie. Mm -hmm. So how can we change that? There's an old boys' network that's been at play for many, many years in Hollywood. We need the old girls network. Mm -hmm. And and what that is about is identifying sponsors Around, across platforms, which means people at networks, people at studios, people at agencies, who can vouch for these women who are up for a job. So if Dee Reese is up for a job, she doesn't need it anymore. But before she made her second film, we would have people at high levels call whoever was hiring and say, this one's amazing. I've worked with her. I've talked with her. I know her work. That, that's one simple thing that we can do that we're going to implement. And so the ambassadors, there's 50 of us who are going around to each – studio and meeting with the highest levels there to implement these programs, to suggest that they join us in the movement. And so far, it's been really encouraging because everybody, I mean, we met with with so many people. I'm talking to the top level, the chairman of Warner Brothers, the chairman of all these studios. There is a movement at foot, but it's not going to happen completely until the gatekeepers are reflective of America. And not only the agencies and the and the executives, but the reporters who are covering our stories. Um, the, the, the people that contribute to everything we do, not just the filmmakers. So it can't always just be, we're gonna do our thing. We've always done our thing, as you said from the beginning. But to really do it without the constant, constant struggle, we do need allies who are gatekeepers at the festivals, at the studios, and at the networks who then can look at us, hear our stories, and say, yes,
2: I'm interested in that. And, and the other part is just having the information. You know, we, we haven't had the information. I mean, if, you, if you're Tracy Ellis Ross and you don't know how much Anthony Anderson is making, You know, that's a problem. But ask him. Ask, you know, your agent to ask, whatever. And now that the Time's Up movement has come and women are speaking up, you know, we have the right to hear our voices. And the thing that's so disappointing to me about this whole movement is that how many women have suffered in silence just because they didn't have the information. They didn't feel good talking to someone about what was happening to them. They didn't feel good negotiating uh, for parity in salaries and credits and everything because they just didn't have the information. And I hope that that is what's the lasting part of this, that we're never afraid to ask again. We're never afraid to speak up and tell, you know, any horrible thing that's happening or any injustice that we see. We have to ask the questions, we have to pull, uh, push harder, and we have to have the, the uh, power um, to, to do it. And in the corporate world, and I still see this happening all the time, there's still such a disparity. But, but you know, being on boards and seeing how decisions are made, usually if you take over someone's job, you might not get their salary the first year, but by the second year, you should have their salary. So, if you're a woman replacing a man and they made four times as much as you do, and you're in that job, they should get you to parity within two years. That's what the way they do other men. They like, we're going to, we may not give it to you day one because we know you have a little bit to learn, but you're going to be at parity within two years. They don't do that for women. Wow. And we have to fight against that. And we have to say, you know, you're a, you have screen time as much as anyone else. Why are you not being paid what men are being paid? And they used to use that silly excuse. Well, you know, men have families, and we we have families. You know, we have families that we're supporting. Not only our immediate families, but like yes. Mary Jane, all our family yes. members around us. We're the first in a generation, you know, to have uh, uh, the ability, the resources to support. Family, so those Damn, excuses I don't. I for
1: six people cell phones. I just want to use that right. as an excuse. Six <laughs> cell phones—that's too many.
4: I'm sorry, I had a, a little mini Mary Jane.
1: I'm like, can I get on and a family
3: plan? He, <laughs>
4: yes. Desi, can you just take some just an family add-on. Family? Can you add an account and a discount?
1: And you don't
2: have children.
1: No. <laughs> Lord Jesus, Tessa, please respond to this. But I also want to, not to the cell phones, to to what Deb was just talking about. And also um, the importance that mentorship plays in getting access to this information that Deb was just talking about.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, mentorship is is supreme. I was talking to Angela Robinson the other day and she was saying as, you know, a, a black gay filmmaker, she can trace all of the jobs she's ever gotten to someone gay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and in some cases, someone black, yeah. which makes sense, right? Because we have a desire to to work within our community, to help our community, to bring people up the ranks like Ava does. Um, but that cannot be the case, yeah. you know, that we are only employed by people that are like us, look like us. Like that just cannot Cannot be the case that it puts a ceiling on on what we can do. You know, um, we should feel free to to, to tell whatever story we want to tell. Um, and so, I think there has to be advocacy, as you say, allyship, and and legitimate allyship, not just folks that are doing it for the optics. But you know, when we talk about access to information, some of those folks, those gatekeepers, those people at agencies, would have known about those deals and the disparity, and and didn't have a vested interest in, in really helping the women out in those cases. And I think there needs to be some accountability, um, you know, particularly for men that say they, they rock with us in this time's up time. Then what are you doing? What, like I'm like, Janet, then what have you done for me lately? What Like, what call have you made then the, on my behalf?
5: The other thing that people don't really know is that mentorship works both ways. Mm-hmm. So Mel came to me as as a mentee through project involved became my assistant and then started producing with me became my producing partner i love mel like for me that was amazing that i had somebody that could come up through the ranks and stay and literally we would be producing two separate things she would be on one coast i would be on the other and now you know as we're as we're growing and 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 she's so full of creativity talking about this show she wanted to do years ago I said, go do it. And now she's directing. This is, this is good for all of us. And so. it was
3: the same, right, with Lena Waithe and Gina prince bythewood Absolutely. They had a Absolutely. very similar dynamic. She assisted her.
5: We so do we- for each other. That's, what, that's what's
1: up. That's amazing. We want to give you all an opportunity to ask questions. There's all this black girl magic on this panel. Yes. So we want to make sure we give you the opportunity to ask um, some questions. Do we have any questions in the audience? Okay, we're going to walk the mic over to you so it can be heard both on the podcast and up here.
4: Hi, I'm Tiffany, and so my question is for Miss Lee. Um, my first year of high school, I decided that I'm going to be a CEO, and Ooh. so and I wanted to empower young girls that look like me that come after me. And growing up, I watch you and Ursula Burns and just other, you know, powerful black women, and so my question for you is what is the most you know, transformational influence that you've witnessed that resulted from your career path? (coughs)
2: Hmm. Well, that's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. Um... You know, there have been so many. I've been very fortunate to. uh, This is, let me start by saying, this is not the career I thought I would have. I thought I was going to go into government and, um, you know, impact change that way. And uh, I moved to Washington and Ronald Reagan won, and that was the end of my government (laughs) career. Uh, So I never got to do that. Um, And BET was a client, and I ended up being general counsel and moving up the ranks. Um, So, you know, when I I look back over my career, it's, it's been incredible um, to you know, take the first black company um, public on the New York Stock Exchange, standing on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange with the black staff who had never seen a black company go public. And they're high-fiving us like crazy because it's such a, a, a monumental moment for all of us. And then, and then the CBET become not a successful black company, but a successful American company. Uh, the first day of training, to go trading, to go from a $17 offering price to a $29 uh, stock the first day. I mean, that was pretty incredible. Um, To be able to uh, support Barack Obama and uh, to use my power at BET, not just to support him personally, but to uh, use my power at BET to encourage young people to get out and vote. and to stand in Grant Park, the night he was elected with you know, tears flowing, uh, knowing that, you know, we had accomplished something that was just no one thought was going to ever happen. Um, So that was amazing to be able to put on the the type of shows um, that I've been able to do at BET. I was just thinking when we were talking about men and how sometimes they get in the way. um, Black Girls Rock would have never happened if Beverly Bond and I didn't have a conversation and get rid of the two men who work for us, who were trying to do the deal and could not get it done. And I said to Beverly, Beverly, I want to do this show. What's the problem? (laughs) And she said, I don't know. I said, well, let's find out and let's make it happen. And that show has been so incredible because a number of young girls who come to the show, who, you know, love it and say, I'm a black girl, rock. When you can teach a young black girl at eight years old to say, I'm a black girl who rocks and this is why, um, you know, it still just gives me chills. So, you know, there there are just so many things. And someone I think guess on the panel yesterday uh, and it may have been Mel or, or someone else. We're talking about how much, you know, how important images are, and how important, they, you know, they just are. You, we want to see images. I want my children to see images. I grew up in the age where there were only three networks, and when the Supremes came on, Ed Sullivan, you know, you were calling your auntie in Mississippi saying, "Ah, Diana Ross is on TV," and you know, we've come a long way, but we still have so far to go. And you know, I. I, I borrow this from Mara, Mara, um, Mara Bracaccio, who I mentioned before. She, I heard her say once, there are no such thing as positive and negative images. There are realistic images. You know, we all have problems. We don't want it to be sugar-coated. We don't want, you know, I keep telling people, I don't want BET to be the black PBS, but I want to tell realistic stories. So if someone has a drug problem, you want to help them resolve that. You don't want to just give our, our audience negative images after negative images images. One day, a young man wrote me after the first year we did BET honors. And he wrote me and said, you know, when I grow up, I want to get an award. I want to be a, a, an honoree for BET honors. I mean, so that young boy saw images. He saw Ken Chenault or Dr. Keith Black, images that, that could motivate him. And, and that's what it's all about. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been a lot of different um, journeys, uh, but it's, it's been great. Um, thank you all so much for everything you're doing in transfer warming and changing the conversation and ultimately the world. Um, my question for you was, um, um, all, I guess each of you, operating in primarily white institutions, whether it's media, educational institutions, corporations, Um, sitting on boards and being that voice in the room ensuring that you're not a voice in the wild that you're listened to that you're effective and that the allyship that you cultivate is actually authentic and real how do you hold that accountable and then you know how do you keep your cool through that how are you effective Um, what do we need to be doing
1: let's do brief answers on this so we can get to one more question Uh, so I sit on the board of women
5: in film I am I was the only black woman on the board My term came up, I said I wasn't renewing unless every single woman who came on the board uh, until we reached parity, was a woman of color. It was a big deal. I had all these women <laughs> looking at me like, what? I said, I can't be the one person sitting there making it feel like you guys are good. So they had to come to Jesus on it, and they came back and said, you know what, you're right. So we're gonna, about to announce an incredible board of, of women, and I'm so proud that you just got to stand up and say it. You know, that's like somebody else said that. You just have to say what you need, and then be able to walk away if if it's not met.
3: Yeah, I think you're so right. We, you know, we're not a monolith. I feel like I'm so, I feel so grateful that, you know, young women have come to me and have said, like, I felt so great when I saw you in space as a superhero. And that means so much to me. And I'm also acutely aware that there are black women, there are brown women, there are women of color that look at me and do not see themselves. And so... We need more representation. We need Lupita, and we need Denine, We need Latisha, and we need we need just more Black superheroes in general. But I think also when you're in those rooms, it's like, what, you know, who is not in this room and why, and and asking that to the room yep. and saying, how do we get them here?
2: I think it's important to um, uh, pick your battles. And, you know, if you have um, a goal in life or a passion in life or something you feel strongly about, your body will tell you (laughs) when it's time to take a stand, uh, when it's time to say, as Stephanie said, no more, you know, uh, we we have to change this. Um, And I I listen to my uh, gut a lot. And, you know, sometimes you just have to throw down the gauntlet and say, this is not right and i'm not going to be a part of this and i'm not going to be you know your token or your spokesperson or whatever um and this is what you need to do the change so you really have to listen to your inner voice um when you feel like something is not right and and take a stand on it so
0: to
2: point uh, why is it what, In your opinion, what is the reason why our voices aren't heard? Why aren't we in executive positions? Why aren't we writers on programs? Why aren't we being presented in the way that our male counterparts are being presented?
5: Well, there's a history of bias. Yeah. I mean, and we all, share, we all share in that history. So one of the things that we're doing again with Reframe is to challenge these executives to confront their unconscious bias. Why do they say if it's a big budget movie, we need a guy? Why are you saying that? So what we're doing is implementing programs like you can't hire a person for a hundred million dollar movie unless you meet with a certain amount of women, a certain amount of people of color. And then guess what? When you bring a woman in the room, you bring somebody of color in the room who knows that they have to present, people walk away going, damn, that was amazing. Like, I might hire that person, you know? And so little by little, we chip away at it.
4: Hi, um, my name is Nia Malika Dixon. I'm an independent filmmaker, and I admire each and every one of you on the panel. I, um, my question is in reference to representation mattering, and I'm a black woman, but I'm also a Muslim woman, and. I got into the business because there's a lack of representation of black Muslim women. So my question is, how can the women who are established reach back and and lend me a hand so that I can reach back and lend them a hand and we can keep going so that we also have a platform, so we also see ourselves? Well, I guess, I mean,
3: maybe that's, I'd I'd be curious actually to hear from you what, what, what ways in which you think people in, in our position can mentorship. be mentorship. Mentorship, yeah.
4: Mentorship. Yeah. Um yes. Yeah. <laughs> that that's the answer. Yeah. How can how but how can we? There's few of us. I know of a few other most black Muslim women who are um filmmakers. Um some of them I'm um, in LA, some of them in um Baltimore, oh, some yeah. of so like we're here, mm-hmm. but we, we don't know how to get to you where so, you so, are.
5: So filmindependent.org is an organization, arts organization set in L.A. They're, I'm a member. Oh, you are a member. Yes. Okay. All right. So right. I'm a member
4: of Women in Film. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm out here hustling. Oh, I started gosh. my own production company <laughs> called Aldass Entertainment. I'm making films. You're on but,
5: the right track. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: I just feel like there's a disconnect. Like, I just want to get a step up like how can i level up is there life?
5: is there a muslim woman in the in the community that you admire
4: i reached out to mara kill i know um she's muslim um but that's the only other person that i know of and a lot of my contemporaries are telling me nia you're you're the one you're the ambassador you're the trailblazer but that makes it so hard like
3: yeah, it's also just not sustainable. That's something that Ava talks about all the time. It's like you can be exceptional, and she is, and I'm sure that you are, but you can't, we cannot be seen as the only one. Right. We cannot be seen as the exception to the rule. There are so many incredible, right. exceptional people. And I think also sometimes that idea, particularly in the context of Hollywood, allows people to go, well, we got one. Right. Cool. You know, um, and it it sort of lets people off the hook, and I think that's really problematic thinking. I feel that way when I when I hear like, you know, your sort of voice that that someone would go, "Oh, that's good. We need a diverse voice." And I go, "That's such an odd way to put it. It positions you or me in some in some space of otherness, yeah. right? As opposed to if we're trying to when we talk about real representation, it's just that we want." we want that our
2: content to look like the world in which we live and you, and you have to keep reminding people that there are different stories that need to be told you know and and you know I've been in the media business long enough to see the what they think are trends and they kind of open the door a little bit and then the trends in and they close the door and you know you think about the cosby era it's like oh we need the 90s yeah the 90s and then and and i've been at this few slave movies and then the doors closed and so you just really have to keep reminding people and and distribution outlets that there are different stories Um, can we get a
4: mentorship program that focuses on black muslim women so, That's my request.
1: Thank you so okay. much. Um, a- that is an awesome request. What I would like to do now, we actually don't have time for any more questions. Um, I want to say this. First of all, thank you so much to this amazing panel, to Stephanie, to Tessa, to Debra, um, for not only leading the revolution today, for standing on the shoulders of black women who led the revolution before, and for helping to lift a hand, to give a hand to folks who are going to lead the revolution going forward. Thank you um, so much. I think this room is probably filled with people who have great ideas. Um, We know we just celebrated Dr. King's holiday and unfortunately we just passed a year with Donald Trump as the president. Um, But I'm saying that for a reason. The resistance is real. We need to be telling our stories. We need to ensure that we're activating on telling our stories. And we need to make sure that we're opening doors to continue to do this amazing work they're doing up here. I want to thank the sponsors of today's program, Planned Parenthood and Color of Change. At this time, Rashad Robinson, who is the executive director of Color of Change, is going to come up for closing remarks. Thank you all so much for being with us. This <laughs> Striving to do right, my people she are warriors. She All we she know is the fight, Praying, and see God and everything alright. Yeah, we're my children
0: of the light. You're to do right. my people know
4: who know is the fight, praise, this God And
1: everything, that right. call me the yellow side I say I'm just my father's daughter, like Christ My body beaten, but I refuse to holler Won't give up the satisfaction, but I let the tears flow Steady praying for a father, forgive them, they don't know That the revolution would not be televised Twitter, Facebook, excuse me as I scrutinize Out of the mouth of this
0: babe comes perfected praise As if he needed a sign, we It starts with a stroke.